On a wet day in Istanbul, it was Mercedes taking the win at the Turkish Grand Prix, but it was Valtteri Bottas, not Lewis Hamilton, who took home the trophy. It was also a race where Max Verstappen regained the championship lead, Carlos Sainz, driver of the day from the back of the field, and Lewis Hamilton felt like he lost out on a podium finish. A lot to dissect as we review the Turkish Grand Prix here at the Overtake F1 podcast. But first, to subscribe because it helps us grow the channel. Leave us a five-star review. If you like what we do, that also helps us grow the channel. And we are growing. We really do appreciate all of you who definitely uh, subscribe and listen to this podcast. Uh, you can also join us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 podcast. Like the page. You can participate in conversations on the Grand Prix, the storylines in Formula One. Uh, we'd love to see you there as well. All right. It, was this an exciting race? Not really. Do we have a story? Yeah, of course we do. With Lewis Hamilton and his decision to pit and Mercedes decision to pit at the end of the race. But it wasn't really that interesting. It wasn't really a lot of good battles. Valtteri Potas just kind of stormed away from the field. And it was a dominating day for him. He wins his 10th Grand Prix of his career. He started from pole position after Lewis Hamilton was moved down 10 spots for a power unit change after Hamilton had won qualifying. Now, this was not a full power unit change for Hamilton, just to sort of clarify that that would have put him at the back of the field if it was a full power unit change. He only changed the internal combustion engine, so that was resulting in a 10-spot grid penalty that put him at P11. Max Verstappen, he started P2, and this created kind of a rather interesting scenario for the race, at, the, at least at the beginning, because you could look at this and say, if Max can get a jump on the lead from Valtteri Bottas, he could get a victory and hold off Hamilton. He was sure to charge up through the field, especially with the new power unit. And there was a lot of focus on just those two guys. But Botas actually winning the Grand Prix wasn't really a strong prediction heading into Sunday, even though he was starting P1. This is interesting because he's been doing really well since it was announced that George Russell was going to take his seat with the Silver Arrows next season, and he was going to head to Alfa Romeo. Now, I said this a few times. Watch out for a more relaxed Valtteri Botas going forward after Zanvoort, and that's what we're getting. He had a fantastic weekend in Monza. Uh, Sochi turned into a P5 when he was starting from the back of the field again. Uh, and this race in particular was just utterly pure domination. So everyone starts on intermediate tires at the beginning of the Grand Prix. It's a wet day on Sunday. Rain is in the forecast. It doesn't look like it's going to stop. Botas takes the lead right away. Verstappen kind of slides into his spot in second. Everyone kind of cautiously navigates the first turn, which comes pretty quickly at Istanbul Park right off the grid. Fernando Alonso, however, got tangled up with Pierre Gasly there. He drops back in the field. Gasly then was given a five-second penalty because he was sandwiched there. And to be honest, I thought this was a really harsh penalty. I know the commentators did too. I thought it was a little harsh. Uh, it's wet conditions. P Sergio Perez is on the left of him. Alan Fernando Alonso is on the right. It's a tough, tricky spot to be in on that turn. And I, I thought five seconds was a bit harsh. So Hamilton is starting P11 and he starts to move up the field. Now he actually gets held up early by Yuki Sonoda, who began the race P9. That lasts for a few laps, and then Hamilton finally passes him on lap nine. Now, we move ahead to lap 34, and again, Hamilton is moving his way through the field, and he finds himself behind Sergio Perez. 
Now, those two drivers actually fight it out. This was actually really good. Uh, they do so in the slow corners leading up to the front stretch. Perez did a magnificent job defending. They were going side by side in those slow corners before the front straight. Hamilton got a little bit of an edge, getting a little slipstream, and then Perez gets it back in turn number one. And once he does that, he holds him off until he pits on lap 38. Now, this was really important because when the drivers came in for fresh tires, that was really critical on how they would finish the race because it took a few laps, four to five, to get the new intermediates up to temperature, the grip, the drivers who came in were losing some pace when they went back out on the track, but they get it back once the tires worked their way into effectiveness. This is why Hamilton was unhappy after the race when he finished P5, because we saw the same thing happen to Charles Leclerc, who once had the lead of the race uh, when Valtteri Bottas and, and, and Max Verstappen pitted, and he had the lead of the race, but he was losing ground, and then they felt that, that he needed to be come, had to come in, but he fell back early on when he went out back on those fresh tires. So Hamilton is, the, they're trying to figure out if Hamilton's going to come in. When is he going to come in? They radio him. He doesn't want to. And finally, on lap 51 of the 58 laps of the race, that he comes in. But he comes out P5. Now, Mercedes claims they would have lost out. This is what they tell him on the radio, that he would lose out to Pierre Gasly is if he stayed out on those old tires. Hamilton felt he would have held on to P3 had he stayed out. Now, we're going to get to that in a minute because there's a lot more details to that storyline. But Botas crosses the line very comfortably. He gets the win. Verstappen and Perez join him on the podium. Botas controls the pace. He keeps Verstappen behind him, building up a good lead against a driver that he has hasn't been able to hold back very much this season. And also this might be the last time he wins a race in formula one going to alpha Romeo next season. Uh, and he even picked up the fastest lap of the race. So it was a dominating day for Botas in Turkey, but there are some questions that we need to discuss here. One, why was Max Verstappen not competitive against Botas to win this race? Now, Max never gave Botas a run in Turkey. Valtteri drove a masterful Grand Prix, and he was never threatened by Verstappen at all. Now, you look at the start, I was kind of expecting to see Max get a jump to try to go for the lead. Now, just a disclaimer here, it is a quick trip to turn one off the grid. So you don't have a lot of runoff, if you will. You don't have a lot of straight before you get to turn one to get a jump. However, I thought Max would be aggressive off the grid to try to get that. Remember, Max is doing two things in the Turkish Grand Prix. One... He's trying to finish as high as he possibly can. There's an opportunity with Valtteri Bottas ahead of him, the only car ahead of him, and he's overtaken Valtteri plenty of times this season. Can he get the victory at Turkey? But also he's wondering, okay, Hamilton is starting P11, and he ain't going to stay there very long. So I do have to know where he is because I'd like to get, like just like at Sochi, Hamilton was wondering where Max was. Max was wondering where Hamilton was. But the other thing was that the new power unit that Mercedes has now in the car, that's giving them tremendous straight line speed. And this came from Christian Horner after the race. This should be concerning as we head down the stretch. But nevertheless, Verstappen and Red Bull didn't have the Mercedes pace in this particular Grand Prix. They just could not close the gap to Valtteri Bottas up at front. 
And this could be a pretty good storyline leading to the final six races of the season. How good that new engine is going to be for Mercedes going to tracks where they should be favored and even tracks where Red Bull is going to be favored. All right, the second question, and this is the big one. Was Mercedes right to bring in Hamilton for fresh tires when they did? Now, you probably heard that Mercedes had this strategy computer that gives them different scenarios, and they plug in all the data and the lap times and all of the intervals, and it gives them, you know, kind of race result scenarios that they then make a decision on as the race is progressing. They did not want to run the risk of guys behind them on fresher intermediates overtaking Hamilton and not giving him a chance to get a good finish. The decision to come in was based on the thought that he could get back up to the podium finish on the fresher tires and hold off Pierre Gasly. However, Hamilton does not get back up to the podium level and instead he finishes fifth. So this does not pay off the way Mercedes thinks it is. Now, as we talked about earlier, the intermediate tires, they needed about four or five laps before they really were starting to work for drivers. There's that graining period. You got to get them up to temperature. Uh, they're they're going to overheat a little bit right off the gun. So it, it takes a while. And we saw drivers who would, went into the pits, get fresh intermediate tires, and then saw their lap times drop a bit. So this is what happens to Hamilton, right? And that's why he cannot use the fresher tires to his advantage to get back up to where he had left off out on the track. Now, if Hamilton had stayed out, could he have gotten a top three? Now, that's the big question, right? Because he's practically on slicks at this point. Esteban Ocon made it to the end. However, afterwards, he said his tires were in really bad shape. They may have punctured if he had another lap or two left. I don't know if that's hyperbole or not, but nevertheless, it does bring into the question if Hamilton had suffered a tire failure, it would have been disastrous. I mean, remember, there's only six races remaining. And if you finish with a DNF because you blew out your tires and you can't finish the race, this just gives Verstappen a huge advantage going into the final six. And you got to be hoping that there's a DNF in Red Bull's future. Otherwise, you're not going to win the championship. So this is also in Mercedes thought. Is it the main reason they brought him in? Probably not. I think what they were trying to bring him in for was let's we, we're going to lose a lot of places here if your pace drops off as these tires wear out. And, and that was true. We saw it with Ocon. He dropped off tremendously uh, staying out there. He did get a point, but he was, he was, we saw his pace really plummet. And I think that was in the thinking of Mercedes. Yeah. I'm sure that a punctured tire, a failed tire was, was also as part of the decision. But I think the reason they had him come in is, was they saw the data and they didn't think he was going to be able to hold off the cars behind him. So yeah, you're P3 now, but he ain't going to finish P3. So let's get you on some fresh inners. Let's see where that goes. And maybe we get you back up to P3. Because Charles Leclerc is behind you, Sergio Perez is behind you, and if you get some fresh tires, maybe just overtake them and get your P3 back. But that didn't happen. Those two drivers finishing ahead of Hamilton in the race. So as far as this debate, it's interesting because the two sides had kind of two different thoughts to this. Mercedes saying, look, there are just two options here. And those, these two options are pit when we did or pit way earlier. And that's, we did that with Valtteri Bottas. Verstappen did that with Red Bull. But Hamilton, he's on the other extreme of this. He's like, we shouldn't have pitted at all. And he was kind of furious at the end of the race that they did pit. Mercedes, they wanted to pit him on lap 42. Hamilton convinced them to stay out. Now, if they pit him at lap 42, maybe by the time the intermediate tires get up to where you want them to be, 
He is on the podium of the race. The graining on those new intermediates were a problem, and Hamilton's late pit stop hurt him because he didn't have enough time to really work those tires in. Perez, Leclerc, both found late pace. They were able to get those tires workable. Hamilton, he just didn't, and that really upset him after the race. He was really angry. Now, my thoughts on this are simple. I think Mercedes made the right call here. Those tires had failed. He's looking at a huge point gap with six races to go. Now it's just six points, losing just eight in the Grand Prix. It's P3 or P5. I don't think this is the end of the world. I know Mercedes and, and Hamilton kind of want to be on the same page of these kind of things. Remember, this is the same Lewis Hamilton that was kind of talking to the Mercedes team at Sochi, wondering if coming in for wet tires was the right decision. Right? Again, he knows what he knows, but the team knew more. At that point, they knew more and they knew rain was coming and they could see the data that was showing that wet weather tires was the way to go, that the, that the track was producing some good lap times for those on wet tires. But overall, I think Mercedes makes the right call because new inners, the chance of the tire failing and getting a DNF are like zero. But on those ever-increasing balding tires that he was running on towards the end, the risk was substantial. And I think Mercedes made the right call. And again, it's it's not a real dramatic swing. It's not like they were going for the win, right? I know there's a difference between P5 and, and P3. I get it. But... But I don't think this is a disastrous decision. I know the argument is going to be, hey, Tony, this could come down to one or two points. And I'd understand completely. But I think at the time, I mean, that's Monday morning quarterbacking here, right? If 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 Hamilton loses to Verstappen by one or two points, are we going to go back to Turkey and go, oh, well, man, they, they should have gone completely towards the end of a race on balding tires and in, 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 on 58 laps? I don't think we would. One other note here, and I think there's a lot of criticism of Hamilton for how he reacted and how angry he was. And I do have to say, I think it's unfair, and it's not just Hamilton. I think it's any driver. It could be anybody. I do think it's unfair for us to have some critical eye to listen to a guy in the cockpit of a race car at that particular moment on what his attitude should be or what he is saying over the radio. I do think they get some leeway. It's a real pressure seat. It is a real tense ride. It's 90 minutes of real concentration. And there's sometimes decisions are going to be made for you that you don't want to make. Hamilton is a multi-world champion. He knows what he's doing. He likes to think he knows what he's doing. So again, there's just going to be frustration. In any, but any driver will do it. It doesn't matter whether you're a world champion or not. I mean, we hear drivers do this all the time who've never won a Grand Prix right? Who argue with their team on correct strategic decisions. But I, I do think that there needs to be a little bit more leeway. I know that we have a lot of fun with it as fans and media and whatnot. I mean, Lord knows I do it with other sports on my radio show, but I do think we need to sort of step back and understand the moment and then let them clarify it when they calm down. If Hamilton is still ticked off taking shots at his team a day later, then we go, hey, what do you, what, what's, what's this about? But I also think that he did the right thing coming out on Monday and saying, hey, look, we win as a team, we lose by a team. I may have disagreed, but you know that, that's where we are as a team, the ability to sort of talk this out. So I'll give him a little leeway on that. But other than that, it wasn't really an exciting race. It really didn't produce multiple storylines. And this one was a big one, obviously, because it affected the world championship. But, you know, there wasn't a real battle for the front. Um, Carlos Sainz made his way through the field. Um, some teams had a little bit of a disappointing day, but just chalked it up to tricky conditions. Uh, there wasn't any undercutting. There wasn't any bad tire choices. Oh, except one. we got to get to that one. 
um, because everybody had to write on the intermediate. So there wasn't any strategic element to discuss. I mean, did the softs work? Did the mediums work? Because we didn't have any of that. So overall, it wasn't the most memorable Grand Prix from a racing standpoint. But I think that the storyline of Hamilton adds a lot of flavor to this. All right. So how did the teams finish? We're going to go over all of them real quick just to give you an idea of how the day went for all of the teams in Formula One. We're going to start with Mercedes because Botas had a dominating race, as we've been saying all podcast. Hamilton did settle for a P5. It was a mixed result given the elation of the team actually winning the race and the disappointment of losing the championship lead and maybe not making the right call on the pit stop for Lewis. I thought Mercedes did, but, you know, we'll never know what the, what, the, what Lewis could have done had he stayed out on those tires. However, as stated earlier, the team had great pace in Turkey and the power unit changes for both drivers are going to make them tough to beat going forward. Uh, for Botas, an excellent drive gives him the first win of the season, 10th overall in his career. It may be his last for Mercedes this season. It may be his last in Formula One. And if it is for both, I thought it was a great, great show. Uh, Red Bull, two drivers on the podium. That's a great day for any team. I don't care who you are, especially a team that's competing for a world championship and the constructors title. For Verstappen didn't have the pace to catch Botas. It didn't really matter. He has the championship lead. Sergio Perez was great holding off Hamilton. I mean, that battle was spectacular and it produced some good results for him. He got a great jump off the start. He was on the other side of the Gasly Alonso sandwich. So he's the other slice of bread with Gasly in the middle there. Given what Mercedes was bringing to Turkey, I mean, they did finish one, two in qualifying uh, to get two podiums out of this Grand Prix was fantastic for Red Bull. As for Ferrari, Charles Leclerc led the race until he needed fresh tires. Uh, they thought about staying out. Why not? But in the end, they had to come in because they were starting to lose pace in that race. Carlos Sainz, however, was driver of the day. He started in the back of the grid, finishing P8. Leclerc had to settle for a P4, so it's double points for the team, which is always good when you're chasing McLaren for P3. Uh, Sainz did get touched up a bit by Sebastian Vettel, but he avoided problems on his way up through the field in wet conditions, which says a lot. Uh, he called it one of his best races and is definitely one of his best races for the Scuderia. Leclerc Claire was making a gamble trying to stay out on that first set of tires and he's going for the win. Why not? They got really no championship to play for, uh, but it was clear once the cars got through the graining phase of the new tire enters that he was just a sitting duck and he needed to come in. Uh, so he did save the P4 by coming in. McLaren, that was not a good day for McLaren. Daniel Ricciardo starting in the back, but he couldn't make up spots like Carlos Sainz did in the Ferrari. Uh, they pitted early to try to make it go with those second set of tires, but that didn't really give him the advantage that they thought. He ended up P13. That's disappointing. Lando had a rather uneventful race. He finished uh, seventh. He started seventh, so he didn't really go anywhere. Uh, it was rather uneventful for a team that went 1-2 at Monza a couple of weeks ago, and also that rain drama in Sochi with Lando and taking not taking the tires and having the lead and losing the lead. So it, you know, it's been a real eventful race for uh, McLaren for those two in Italy and in Russia, but this one was rather uneventful. Andreas Seidel thought the team, given the circumstances of the weather and all that, uh, they got as much as they could out of the day. Alpha Tauri, Pierre Gasly finished six. As he mentions, 10 seconds off the podium finish with a five second penalty. That's a really good run. And, and listen, he had the pace at the end to make Mercedes worry about him for Hamilton. Sonoda finished P14, and he had a spin in the race, but he did raise some eyes with his early battle with Hamilton. It was a good weekend, though, for the team. Both drivers qualified in the top 10. They were pretty quick all weekend, so it was a good result for AlphaTauri. Probably wanted a little better for Sonoda, but he again, he did spin. Aston Martin, uh, this is where it got funny. Sebastian Vettel tried to make it work. 
He was the only one who did. And I'm talking about taking slick tires. He went out for one lap on mediums and that was all she wrote. And it was quite entertaining. He was just kind of riding around on those slick tires and it definitely wasn't working. Uh, he did touch up Carlos signs coming out of a corner claimed he was run into. I beg to differ. I don't think he did it all. I don't think he was being run into Lance stroll. He finished ninth. He did score a, a, some points for the team. Otherwise his day was rather uneventful. Unlike his teammate, Sebastian Vettel Alpine Fernando Alonso took a spin and turn one on the opening lap. He had dropped him back after he got hit by Gasly. He later hit Mick Schumacher. He got a five-second penalty. He finishes P16. That was that sealed it for him. Ocon, though, he made it to the end with the first set of tires, and he finished P10. But his pace dropped really quick towards the end. Now, that data has made it interesting for commentators and data geeks to speculate on what Hamilton might have done towards the end if he had stayed out, uh, even though Mercedes obviously has a different car set up. So there was some kind of an importance to Alpine, Fernando Alonso getting into some altercations on the track, spinning, and then Ocon making it to the end. They said he's going to take the tire and hang it on the wall at the Alpine factory. Good for him because he made it to the end on one set of tires. Alfa Romeo, Kimi, and Jovan. Nazi both had good starts, both finished outside the points. However, Raikkonen goes P12, Antonio finishes P11. And now if there was one more lap, Giovinazzi would have caught Ocon and finished in the points. Uh, that data was, was sort of showing that that would have happened. Williams, George Russell finishes P15. I guess all good things come to an end, right? But there weren't any DNFs that sort of helped him move up in the field. Nicholas Latifi finishing P17. Uh, he did spin, and that was a rather uneventful race for the team. Haas? Like, do I have to? All right, I will. Mick Schumacher finishing P19. There was the aforementioned run-in with Fernando Alonso. Nikita Mazepin, uh, P20. Uh, kudos to Istanbul Park. The new asphalt last season made it a slick surface in the wet weather. There was a It was a wild race in 2020. But this year, there was more grip. The track had cured. They did uh, uh, some washing. The track showed better grip, even in the wet weather. Look, I really like Istanbul Park. I like the Turkish Grand Prix. Uh, it is a real shame that it only came back these last two seasons because of COVID and scheduling and other events being canceled. I, I wish it would come back. I, I really love Istanbul Park. I think the racing there is great. I love Turn 8, of course. Who doesn't? Uh, I think there's overtaking there when, in, in certain circumstances. I, I just think the Grand Prix is great. Uh, now we now head to Austin for the United States Grand Prix. As an American, I'm extremely excited for this, to have a Grand Prix in our home country after missing it out last season. Christian Horner did call it Hamilton country. Let's see as we head into round 17. Verstappen now six points with the lead in the world championship. All right, that's our review of the Turkish Grand Prix. We will be back to preview the U.S. Grand Prix and give you a rundown on the circuit of the Americas as, again, we head to the home stretch this fall of the Formula One season. A reminder, please subscribe, hit that subscribe button wherever you get this podcast. It really does help us. We want to continue to grow. This is our first year doing it. We're really seeing some good results. So we want to keep the momentum going. Like us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 podcast. Participate in conversations. Let your voice be heard. I don't care if you disagree, agree on certain circumstances and certain issues in Formula One. We'd love to hear from you. If you do want to reach the show, you can hit me up on Twitter at Tony D Radio, and you can also email the show, the Overtake F1 podcast at Gmail. So let us know you're out there. We certainly would love that. All right. Again, we'll be back uh, next week for a preview of the United States Grand Prix. Until then, thank you for listening. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. <laughs>